Good evening, Los Angeles, and welcome back to another episode of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and I'm going to be with you in studio for the next hour as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. I wanted to wish a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I wanted to say happy Mother's Day to my mom, who is in town this weekend visiting from Arizona, who I get to spend some time with. Happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife of uh, three beautiful children. I just want to celebrate uh, all those wonderful moms out there and all the wonderful hard work they do, um, raising kids, caring for homes. Their job is probably one of the most important jobs on the planet, and we just want to say thank you. God bless you. We love you, and um, just pray that you might know how appreciated and valued and loved you are this weekend um, on Mother's Day. So, um, like like I said, my name is Jason Gallagher. This is Apologetics.com. I am here with Tony Yu in studio, good friend, evangelist, um, fellow engineer. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jason? Awesome. We are also live on Facebook if you want to catch us there. You could tune into the show. You could send us some questions online there. We'll be trying to check it, and uh, we can interact with you a little bit um, on there. We are sponsored. This is the second show of the month. We kind of have a conglomerate of churches and ministries that kind of partner on a monthly rotation to host this show on Friday nights or Saturday mornings, however you look at it. And tonight's show is actually sponsored by Branch of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Torrance. This is a church that I'm a member at. I'm a deacon there. We meet Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. And after the service, every weekend, we have a time of question and answer where you could ask any question you would like to our pastor or whoever is uh, preaching that weekend. And so our church is just has a heart for apologetics and we've been a ministry of this or a partner of this ministry for for several several years probably over a decade. Uh, tonight we're going to be actually discussing what we think is probably the most powerful apologetic we have and it's not an argument for God's existence. It's not a you know presuppositional argument. It's not uh, some prophetic evidence or some uh, archaeological evidence or scientific evidence. It's nothing specific to those per se, but it is the most powerful tool. Charles Spurgeon referred to this as the most able auxiliary that we have, that we have been given for the task of creating uh, converts, for allowing a person to go from death to life, Right to lead people to Christ, that they might repent and believe in the gospel. And Tony's going to be helping me do that tonight. And you know, just want to kind of start off by thinking about this. So this this show is going to be geared a bit towards the evangelism side of the apologetic endeavor. You know, we think of apologetics a lot of times as this idea of clearing away roadblocks as people. We want to basically get people to the gospel. We want to get people to believe 
to repent and believe, and we want to clear away obstacles. They might have intellectual obstacles, moral obstacles, emotional, relational, <clears throat> all sorts of different obstacles, and apologetics kind of helps clear some of that away. But uh, we don't often think of evangelism, you know, per se directly as part of part of that. And you know, Tony and I were going to be discussing this a bunch. And, you know, we just want to kind of backdrop this show with this idea that every person that we're talking to, you know, in an apologetic conversation, we need to come to grips with the fact that without the the light of the gospel, these people are going to be condemned for all eternity, right? We need to kind of come to grips with the the weight of that, the gravity of that the soberness of our task, right? And so there's many spheres in which to declare God's truth, right? There's not one area. Uh, Tony is very gifted at street evangelism, you know, talking to people, strangers, striking up conversations, getting into conversations. Um, He's very gifted at that. He's been doing it for a long time, right? He's practiced it. And when you practice something, you're going to get better at it. And Tony's been practicing and teaching others how to do that as well. Um, we're not trying to make you into, you know, a Tony or, you know, anyone. We want you to be you, right? But we want to give you some tools to help you be more effective in that evangelistic task and give you the most powerful apologetic tool that we have in our arsenal, um, but knowing that, you know, we can declare God's truth in uh, Bible studies, in prayer meetings, at work, around the water cooler, around the photocopier, over coffee, at the checkout stand, spending time with friends, speaking of cultural events, over lunch or dinner with a friend or family member. You could declare God's truth as you write letters, as you write emails as you write cards or notes or you give out books or you hand out tracks or you give out CDs or DVDs or you give out links to YouTubes or you post notes on social media. There is a myriad of ways to get the word out. You know, God calls us to proclaim from the rooftops, right, this message that all might come in, right? Go up to the highways and the byways and compel people to come in to this feast that God has prepared for those who he has called and those whom he has loved and those who love him, right? But these things must be done with conscious, deliberate desire to teach transgressors God's ways, right? In Psalm 51, that's that's what David's prayer was, that he would teach transgressors God's ways. And so we want to look at that in more detail tonight. Um, And as we do that, I think primarily, Tony, um, maybe let's just talk about what we're, what our aim is, right? Um, What are kind of the main, the big picture of what we want to unpack when we're trying to get to the gospel, right? We have God's justice, his mercy, his righteousness, his holiness, his wrath and anger against sin, balanced with the grace of God, you know, his love, his power, his sovereignty to 
you know, call people and things like that. Uh, In an overarching way of looking at this, ultimately you want to lead people to Christ. Um, you have to remember that every human being who's born, other than Jesus Christ, is headed to an eternity of destruction. We call that hell. Mm. And the only way to avoid that fate is through the gospel, coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ, putting your faith in Jesus, repenting of sins. And getting from one destination to the other is the overarching goal. Amen. Yeah, and we want to, you know, I think there's a few, the main things we want to hit on tonight, um, if we were to give some sort of like an outline, we're going to be first talking about why it is that we evangelize, how it is that we evangelize, that what is the attitude of our heart, what should that look like, and we're going to talk about some obstacles to evangelism, some common obstacles that Tony and I have come across and um, our teachings and interactions with people and believers, and then using those obstacles to our advantage, and then unpacking the gospel, working through you know, how to present the gospel, the strongest apologetic that we have, um, you know, whether you're talking to an atheist or, you know, some other religious person of some other persuasion, and then putting it into practice a bit, you know, maybe giving you some tips on how to navigate these conversations and maybe answering some, some questions that might come up along the way, some common ones. Um, so why we evangelize, I think it's important to from the outset to know why this is important. You know, um, a lot of people, I think statistics haven't improved much in this area. A majority of people do not evangelize. They don't get into gospel conversations where they are actually giving someone the information necessary for a person to come to a knowledge of God and the gospel and to be saved, really. Um, you know, they might talk about church. They might say that they'll be praying for you or something like that. Maybe they'll have a Christian bumper sticker. But these a, a large majority of us are not getting into regular gospel conversations. Um, and so we want to talk a little bit about why. Why should we evangelize? Why is it important? Um, Tony, you want to touch on a few things there? Yeah, let's define some terms. What is the gospel and why is it important? Um, you connected the word gospel with leading people from one destination of eternal destruction in hell mm -hmm. to everlasting life with Jesus Christ. Um, Romans one sixteen says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. The gospel, this message of what Jesus did for us, is the only thing that will change the destiny of people. So that's why we focus on this one message. Mm -hmm. Another definition is what is the gospel, right? The gospel is not giving food to the homeless. It is not being kind necessarily in the way we think of kindness. It is a message that has content. Mm -hmm. It needs to be spelled out with words, spoken or written, no other way. In broad terms, it is that we've sinned against the holy God. We deserve judgment. And the only way to be reconciled to this holy God is by repenting of our sins and in putting our faith in Jesus Christ, who was the substitute for us, who died for us, so that God can punish Jesus 
instead of punishing us for our sins, God can take our sins and retroactively put it on Jesus so that when Jesus died and suffered, that God did away with our sins through Jesus, through his blood, and we're made right with him. Amen. So that's the message. Who does God call to deliver this message? Like, is it an optional thing? or No, it's every single truly born-again believing Christian. If you're headed to heaven, you're called to share this gospel message. Why? Think about it. If you truly know that God saved you, saved you from what? Saved you from an eternal destiny of torment, separated from God, and you're saved through what Jesus did for you, why wouldn't you tell somebody? Mm-hmm. Either you don't believe it, mm-hmm. or you're inhumane, which means you're not a believer. Mm-hmm. Right? One or the other or both. We have to. We have to tell this right. message. Yeah, we can't, we can't say that we love our neighbor and withhold the most vital information from them. If my neighbor had cancer and I had the secret recipe mm-hmm. for curing the cancer, how evil would I be to sit next to him and sing songs to him and give him food mm-hmm. and not tell him that secret recipe? Right. Yeah, that would be completely unloving. Um, I can come off like Mr. Rogers all nice and all, but I would be evil. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be very nice, very kind, you know, um, invite them over to dinner, you know, well. Yeah, you have this great cure for their great disease, and never ever wanting to bring it up for fear of offending them or right hurting but, their feelings. And the disease we're trying to cure is infinitely worse than cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and Jesus said in Mark sixteen fifteen to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right, Matthew twenty eight, the other great commission passage. Jesus said to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So some of the other reasons, you know, like Tony mentioned, they're in grave danger. You know, without the gospel, they are going to perish, you know. Uh, We also want to do it to glorify God, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. you know, we want to, we want God to be glorified. You know, He, for His love, for His grace, for His mercy, um, we want to do it because God commands it. You know, God says if we love Him, we will obey His commands. Um, we we do it because we love the lost, right? We love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Someone was kind enough to share it with us, and we should do the same for others. Yeah, I can read some people's minds right now. I'm, I'm receiving a message. To, some some people are thinking, oh, I'm not called to share the gospel because right. I'm not gifted in evangelism. Let me give you another way to think about this. There are several lists of gifts in the New Testament. I can guarantee you they're not all inclusive. Okay, they're not sure. exhaustive. But here's one list in Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy, right? Mm. And it goes on, he who gives with liberality. So one of the gifts, one of the spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament is giving. Is everyone gifted with every gift? No. So if you don't have that gift of giving, are you still obligated to give? Yes. 
So if, Absolutely. So let's say for argument's sake that there is a gift of evangelism. If you don't have it, are you still obligated to evangelize? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe the New Testament gift of evangelism is more of an equipping gift. Ephesians 4, 11, 12. Right. Those are offices. These gifts were given to equip the saints for the, for the work, work of the ministry. ministry. So uh, someone with the gift of evangelism would be... God would have given him that gift in order to equip the saints to, to do, do that. evangelism. To do evangelism. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, another reason why we evangelize, and I, I don't think I threw our number out yet, but please, please give us a call. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Um, if you have questions about evangelism, if you have questions about uh, apologetics, the gospel, the Bible, anything that's on your mind, really, uh, we are here to uh, converse with you, take your call. You could reach us at 888 995-KKLA, pretty simple, 995-5552. And um, I'll throw out the number again in a little bit, but uh, please give us a call. Uh, We'd love to converse with you. Um, Another thing, though, evangelism does is it actually causes us to grow closer to God. Absolutely. It strengthens us. It's like going to the gym, right? It's like exercise. It's like when you start evangelizing you talk to people about the gospel, you hear the gospel yourself, you answer questions, you answer objections. Sometimes you have a good answer, sometimes you don't have a good answer. And when you don't have a good answer, it just drives you back to the Word of God. It drives you to friends, other believers, pastors. Say, hey, you know, I came up with against this really interesting question. I didn't know quite how to answer it. So you wind up just becoming a stronger, you know, more versed in the Bible. And so I think that's part of the reason God tells us to do it is because it's it's stimulating. It's like a catalyst. It speeds up your own growth, your own knowledge of the scriptures, and your own love for God. You know. In fact, last Sunday I was teaching about atheism and evangelism at Refuge Calvary Chapel in Huntington Beach, and a young lady named Bernice um, heard the message, and she shared my gospel tract with her boss who then came up with objections that he challenged her with, and the question came back to me, and I fed the answers back to her. So immediately, once she made that step to try to obey the Great Commission, she was challenged. Mm -hmm. And now I'm sure she's learning and she's growing. So if if you want to grow, start obeying the Great Commission. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I think that's what we see in Scripture, too. We don't see Paul, we don't see the apostles setting up these ministries where they have these conferences and they talk about arguments for God's existence or they talk about prophecies. They don't have these apologetic conferences. You don't see that in Scripture. You just see Christians of all stripes, right, the the office holders, the elders— the apostles, but you also just see the laity going and preaching the word everywhere they went. And you will, by necessity, grow, and you will become an apologist Do you know who's one of the most default. famous people who did that who's not an apostle or anything? In the, in the in book the of scriptures? Acts? Yes. Um, well, there's several. Stephen. Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was, was a job. deacon, though. He was a deacon. He was a deacon. He was not a, an apostle. Right. He was not 
performing miracles. Right. He, he what, what was one of his jobs? He he waited tables. Serving tables, yeah. Right. Yeah. He was a table waiter, if you will, not not to demean him, but yeah. he was preaching so hard that the Jews killed him. Mm-hmm. Right. He's our example. He's our hero. Let's go follow him. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it. You know, it also helps to protect us from losing our way. Yes. Um, because you're just sharing the gospel all the time. And every time you hear the gospel, it causes you to, to remember what God has done for you and for you yourself to cling even closer to Christ. You know, thinking about uh, Stephen who died because of the gospel, I remember one young lady who said to me, you know, when you evangelize, you don't have to share the gospel you just have to love people. Well, I want right. to remind our listeners of what Jesus said in Luke 6:26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Mm. If you're following Jesus, somebody better hate you. Yeah. Right. Because anybody can give out free food to the homeless. Nobody will persecute you for that, not even in communist China. Right. You'll never draw any hate doing those kinds of acts. And I'm not saying don't do it. Do it as sure. part of a greater uh, mission of sharing the gospel, right. if you will. But share the gospel you must, because that homeless yeah. person, where is he headed without Christ? Right. Eternal destruction. So let's make sure we get to the message that mm-hmm. Jesus died for you, that you have to repent and put your faith in Jesus, or there will be eternal consequences. Mm-hmm. Amen. So let's transition from why... We evangelize. I think there's some great, great words there to how we evangelize. And when I say how we evangelize, our heart and our mindset going into it. When we go to someone, what is the manner in which we have? And I'll just, I'll just go to one of the greatest verses for apologetics, right? It's First Peter three, fifteen and 16. It's kind of the charter verse for apologetics. It And it says this, it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Right? But here's what it says. It says, With meekness and fear, having a good conscience, right, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. So it's telling us, yes, go do this. Go defend the gospel. But do it with meekness, right, which is like, a humble boldness, right? Do it with fear, right? And have a good conscience, meaning you're doing things in a righteous manner, right? You're not doing anything deceitful. You're not being mean-spirited. You're not quarrelsome. You know, Timothy, you know, Paul tells Timothy, be patient, right? Long-suffering, all of those things. Um, Ephesians 4.15 says, speaking the truth in love, right? Um that that friend you just mentioned, you know, oh, we just need to love them. Well, yeah, speak the truth in love. Yes. What more loving thing can you do t- than to share the information people need right. to know to avoid eternal destruction? Right. Yeah. So do you want to add anything there about kind of our, our mindset and our attitude? It's love. It but is. sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That means to Set display him. the holiness of God through the, through sharing what God did for you. There's nothing more holy and loving that God could have done than to be our sacrifice. 
than to step in and take our punishment for us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So who do we evangelize? Every, That's the next question. Everything that breathes. Right. Right. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yes. Right. So friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, strangers. Um, you know, if they're breathing, I think Mark Cahill says this. <laughs> if they're breathing, they need Jesus. Yes. Right. Um, so, you know, we're, we're to go to the ends ends of the earth, right? Um, there shouldn't be anyone. We shouldn't exclude anyone. We shouldn't be... We shouldn't be partial or biased in this. Um, and I think one thing that's important to highlight here is what I call the 80-20 rule in terms of who we should be evangelizing. Because I think there's a lot of um, – there's this idea of we need to earn the right. We need to befriend someone for some period of time before we could evangelize them. Um, but one thing I did, I think I was reading a book by John Speed, uh, Evangelism in the New Testament, and he, he, he unearthed something great, and it's a pattern you see in the Gospels and the book of Acts. And the pattern is that uh, you look at all the evangelistic encounters Jesus had in the, in the Gospels, and 80% of them, actually 80%, 87%, were encounters with complete strangers what you would call cold contact evangelism. The other 20% or 15% roughly were in the context of people he had prior relationship with. So the majority, 8 out of 10 people that Jesus shared the gospel with were first time you just met them, no prior relationship. And then you look at the book of Acts, which is all the apostles and the early church following in Jesus' footsteps. And you see the exact same pattern. About 8 out of 10 of their evangelistic encounters were what they call cold contact, complete strangers. The other 20% were prior relationships. And if we take that and we look at our lives, yeah, we should be sharing with our friends, our coworkers, the people that we're with on a constant basis. That should be the 20%. 20% of the time we should be sharing with them. The other 80% of the time we should be sharing with people that we're just meeting for the first time. And I think Tony's, you're obviously a great example of that. Right? You share the gospel with pretty much everyone who yeah. breathes. <laughs> you should build relationships, but it shouldn't take you more than three seconds. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build a relationship. <laughs> you know, befriend someone. But, you know, I take about 30 seconds. Tony does it in about three seconds we'll show you how to do that after the uh, and break we will yeah we'll be getting into more of these details how to evangelize and we're going to get to the greatest most powerful apologetic tool that we have right after these messages the mission of apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. 
Just go to apologetics.com and click donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting apologetics.com. This is John MacArthur inviting you to join me for Portraits of Grace. Unregenerate people are totally depraved, dead in their trespasses, enslaved to sin, cursed to eternal damnation, unable to help themselves, and in desperate need of mercy and compassion. It's quite a plight. And that's where the good news of the gospel meets them. God loves them in that condition and extends mercy to anyone willing to trust in Him. Mercy tempers God's justice. That God permits us to live at all speaks volumes of His mercy. Well, Lamentation says, It is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. What a promise. This is John MacArthur trusting your lives are portraits of grace. I'm not usually one to give prescriptions, but here's one that I can easily guarantee. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If you should choose to meditate, really concentrate on God's grace, it will transform your life. You will not be the same. Your attitudes will change from negative to positive. Your relationships with people will change from suspicious and intolerant to affirming and even understanding. I'm prepared to say today that your feelings toward the Lord himself will be changed. You'll begin to enjoy the Lord as some of you have never enjoyed him in your entire Christian life. Meditating on Grace. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. All right, welcome back to the second half of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, joined in studio tonight by the wonderful Tony Yu. And tonight we are talking about evangelism and the greatest and most powerful apologetic tool we have And before we get too far into this second half, I wanted to give out our phone number again because I forget to do that sometimes. And we exist really to interact with you, our listeners. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, seriously about any apologetic question that you might have about the scriptures or defending the faith, we'd love for you to call us at 888-995-KKLA. That's 888-995-995. Five 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 two, and we'll be here for the next twenty five or so minutes to take your calls. But we are going to continue our conversation on evangelism, and you know, evangelism is really the heart of what we're trying to get at with apologetics. We apologetics is you know, Oz Guinness tells us that it's kind of just you're clearing away roadblocks in order to get to the gospel. So you're, you're clearing away obstacles so that someone could come to faith to repent and believe the gospel. And Tony and I are talking about sharing the gospel 
and how we can do that. And we've talked about the why of sharing the gospel. We've talked about the how in terms of how we do it, our heart, our mindset, right? We're gentle, we're meek, we're patient, we're long-suffering. You know, we're, we're wanting to rescue people. We love people. And we've talked a little bit about who, right? Jesus says to preach the gospel to every creature. And we saw in the New Testament and in the book or the gospels in the book of Acts also, the patterns were the same. Eighty percent of the evangelistic encounters were with complete strangers. Twenty percent of the times that the gospel was being shared was in the context of a prior relationship. And that is an encouragement to us that much of our evangelistic energy should be spent speaking to people for the very first time. And real quick, Tony, I just wanted to highlight, you know, where we see Jesus doing this, right? The Samaritan woman. Just think about the times you see Jesus sharing the good news with someone. Samaritan woman. No prior relationship, right? Zacchaeus, no prior relationship. You know, the rich young ruler, no prior relationship. Preaches the law to him, right? The, you know, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus certainly didn't have a prior relationship with 5,000 people (laughs) and was just, you know, coming to see them again. Um, You know, all these different times where he you know he he pulls out on the boat offshore and then preaches to these crowds you know paul going into the temples it's just everywhere you know it's just these times where there wasn't any prior relationship but the gospel had to get out you know the gospel had to go forth and we want to talk about that now and we want to get to the greatest, most powerful apologetic tool that we have, since this is apologetics.com, we are going to be unpacking what that tool is and how you could effectively share it with people around you. Um, so, Tony, let's walk through this. Um, you know, five steps, systematic evangelism. Why don't you tell people about your website, your tract? kind of and then we'll start walking through this kind of path here yeah my website is does god exist dot guru that's dot g-u-r-u does god exist dot guru yeah um if you want to look at this at this as a, as a very broad outline number one you got to prove god exists otherwise there's no reason why we're even talking number two who is god number three how do i get right information about god is the bible true number four why do I need this? It's because I'm a sinner. Number five, you need the gospel. Um, what else? Um, let's see. Before I forget, tomorrow I'm going to be taking yeah. a small group out to evangelize. Uh, we're going to meet right outside the Nike store in Santa Monica at noon. They're from Legacy City Church. But I want to invite all of Los Angeles to come out. I want to see about 50,000 people show up outside of Nike in Santa Monica at noon tomorrow. I've arranged for other evangelists to be there to take you out. Are you, you going to feed them all? Every last one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you That's better start praying now. Some bread and some loaves. Yeah. So come on out if you want to just learn by watching. You don't have to do anything. Just watch and listen to see how we do it. Yeah. And Either. maybe you and I can walk through... Uh, 
like a conversation we might have. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Um, so let's yeah, let's get into it. So first, you know, first step one, you might be talking to someone who doesn't doesn't even believe God exists, mm-hmm. right? Um, how would you how would you navigate that? Well, let's start with the introduction. You look for somebody who is maybe they got some time to talk. They're not in a hurry. They're not stuffing their face with food. They're not on a phone call. Mm-hmm. If they're just milling about, uh, start with, hey, can I ask you an interesting question? Mm-hmm. It's that simple. That's all you got to say to get into a conversation. About 90% of the people will say, yeah, sure, what's up? Mm-hmm. And then you come up with another question. Can you tell me how to go to heaven? That's one version. Or um, where do you think people go after they die? Or... Where do you think you would go if you died today? Right. And you're in. About 90% of those people will continue to talk to you because mm. most people suppress the thought of what, what's going to happen when they die because they don't know. But they do, really do want to know. And sure. when you start with that, you just immediately establish why you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're you're not, not worried that you're going to sell them you you're know, not being Amway or this or that, right? Yeah. You don't have some unsavory motives. Right. You're talking about something that they really want to know. Yeah. And they'll, almost everybody will talk to you. Right. That's my experience. I haven't talked to And if they're not interested, people, then you just move on. If you on. get the sense they're not interested, they're just like, ah, eh, yeah. You don't want to make people scared. Just go. Just yeah. go move to the on. next. Yeah. Go to the next person. Yeah. Be so like a bumblebee. Most people will answer what, Jason? If to I what question? You, um, where do you think you would go if you died today? Uh, I think I'd go to heaven. And why would you be going there? I haven't done too many bad things. So you're a good person, right? Pretty good. Okay. Pretty let's, good. Let's put that to the, to the test. Make Better sure than you're, you. you're good. Okay. Have you ever told a lie? <laughs> a few. What do you call people who tell lies? I don't know. A liar? Human. Liar, right? Okay, liar. Okay. And so <laughs> what does that make you? Human. A liar. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever stolen anything ever? Uh, Even something small when you were younger? Maybe a long time ago. Yeah. What, everything is in the past, right? Um, I guess. So what does that make you if you steal something? What do you call people who steal? A thief. So what does that make you? I'm a thief. A lying thief. I'm a lying thief. Have your parents ever punished you for anything ever? Um, yeah, probably. So you haven't honored your father and your mother perfectly. Let me summarize what you just told me about yourself. By your own admission, you're a liar, a thief, disobedient, and rebellious. Is that the definition of a good person? Mm, Not really. So you're right. And if you died today and God judged you, would you be innocent or guilty? Well... I don't know. If you have you okay, he said you shall not lie. Innocent or guilty? Guilty. Okay. Should God let guilty people into heaven? No. Do you know what you just said about yourself? What did I say? You said you're not going to heaven, and you're right. But that was the bad news. I want to tell you the good news. Do you know that God loves you and, and me? Instead, in spite of us breaking His law, He did something amazing for you. So. You can be forgiven. Do you know what he did for you? No, no idea. Jesus Christ is God. He came into the world. He put on humanity. He became a man. He never stopped being God, so he was fully God, fully human. Mm -hmm. He lived a perfect life, so he didn't deserve to die. But he loved you so much, 
He volunteered to die and suffer in your place by being punished on the cross for you. Hmm. So God can take your sins, put it on Jesus, punish Jesus in your place. That's how much Hmm. God loves you. Wow. And if you put your faith in Jesus, repenting of your sins, you will be forgiven instantly. Here's what Jesus said. Hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Does that make sense? I've never heard it explained like that before. That makes sense. I just told you how to go to heaven. I want to make sure you know. Can you tell me back in your own words how to go to heaven? Uh, turn away from my sin and trust in Jesus. Right. And your, your response to me is, as a Christian, but here's an interesting thing that happens on the street. I can literally recite John 3.16 slowly and mm-hmm. carefully to people, and I'll ask them, tell me how to go to heaven. Most people will say, be a good person. After you've explained that to them? After right. I've recited John 3.16. Right, right. And I do, do that better or do better. Do better or, or don't pray. Don't do those things anymore. I don't know. Those right. are the Stop answers. doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed that people, even though you recite John 3.16, it doesn't sink in. So I do it again. Sure. Uh, and I emphasize the word believe in Jesus or believe in the mm-hmm. Son. And I make sure they know because there's a spiritual battle going on out there. And just saying it once doesn't mean they, they understand. Right. Sometimes I'll cite different verses. Jesus said in John 6.47, he who believes in me mm-hmm. has everlasting life. It's faith in Jesus, repenting of sins. Mm-hmm. So you want to drill that home. Make sure you walk when you walk away, they know it's repenting of sins, yeah. believing in Jesus because yeah. of what he did for you. Right, right, right. Turn and trust. Yeah. And you started asking about the atheism thing. Almost sure. nobody challenges me on the existence of God. I agree. Almost everybody Most assumes he exists. Most people know God exists. Yeah. And they're not actively suppressing it. Right. They know there's a creator out there. At most, they're a garden variety atheist. Right. Easily shaken by a question like, so you believe the universe was created by nothing? Right. Or another one, um, have you ever seen a painting without a painter? No. Have you ever seen a building without a builder? No. Why would you believe in creation without a creator? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense. Right. And that's about all the apologetics you're most likely going to need on the street. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, so one thing, so let's contrast a little bit. Um, thanks for walking through that. So it's a simple way of sharing the gospel, simple conversation. Um, but there were some really key things that you did in a subtle way that people might not have picked up on completely. And it's it's basically to combat um, what has been a typical modern way of sharing the gospel with people so you have kind of walking someone from unbelief to belief where you know you talk about god's existence you talk about who god is right he's jesus christ um you know come in the flesh you talk about the bible is the bible true yeah you could show how the bible is true but then you get to the point where what does God require of us, right? We're going to be judged. God has a law. We've broken God's law. And then, because we've broken God's law, we deserve justice and we deserve to die, which is why Christ came to pay that penalty in our, you know, in our place, in his life's blood, so that our our debt can be paid and we can be 
legally set free, okay? Modern evangelism skips all of that and goes to God loves you. Right. And has a wonderful plan for your life. Something like that. Like God just loves you. You know, he just wants a wonderful life for you. Like everything's going to be great. You know, come to Jesus. He's the answer to all your questions. Like, and it ignores all the other stuff. It's getting worse because uh, there's a new heresy arising called progressive Christianity, which abhors the gospel, hates the gospel, and redefines it as, oh, God just wants to make everybody more satisfied in life. Trying to, all he wants to do is to feed the poor. All he wants to do is to correct injustice. Right. Right. No, that is not the gospel. The gospel will have the effect of doing all those things. Right. But that's not the gospel. So let's unpack, I think, what we, what makes every, all of this relevant, right? Which makes the sacrifice on the cross relevant, which puts the sacrifice of Christ in its proper context. And it's the, God, it's the law of God. It is, it is the most powerful apologetic we have as Christians. It's more important than... The moral argument, the cosmological argument, the teleological argument, the transcendental argument, any sort of presuppositional apologetics, um, you know, all of those arguments. It's it's the most important thing we could understand as we're talking to someone for a number of reasons, and we're going to walk through a few of them quickly. Um, so what are the functions of God's law? Function number one. It stops the sinner from justifying him or herself, right? Romans 3.19 says that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So the law shows people that they are guilty. That's Tony walking through someone, have you ever lied? Yes, that's the ninth commandment if you weren't, if you didn't know. But it shows them their guilt, right? Um, Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. Okay. What does that make you? A thief. It shows them their guilt. Um, Romans 3.20 says that by the law is the knowledge of sin, right? So it is through the law that we become knowledgeable of our sin, right? Right. you shall not commit adultery. I tell you the truth. If you even look with lust at a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. The law magnifies our sin, right? And shows us that we're in trouble. And then Galatians 3 says it leads us to Jesus, right? It says the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So what the law does is it carries us right to Jesus. People attempt to be justified by their works, but the law leads us to Jesus so that we can be justified by our faith, not by our works. It's combating what Proverbs 20, verse 6 is talking about. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. Right. Everybody says, I'm a good person. Yeah. And here's what makes it one of the most not one of the, but the most powerful ap- apologetic we have. You could argue someone all night long, and you might win an argument, but that's not going to make them a Christian per se, right? 
But what the law does is it bypasses the intellect, the place of argument. That's where all the arguments take place is in these intellectual spheres. But the the law bypasses the intellect and it goes straight to a person person's conscience. And what does the word conscience mean? With knowledge of right and wrong. Con science with knowledge. Romans 2.15, it says, They who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. So the person's conscience also bears witness to exactly what we're saying to them to be true. We're saying you've broken God's law. You're in danger. Christ has come to offer you forgiveness. And this whole idea of them breaking God's law and being in danger, it says their conscience is bearing witness. So think of it like this. When you're talking to an unbeliever, you're not just talking to them. You're trying to talk to the conscience inside their heart. You want to you want to make direct contact in there so that that conscience inside of them will bear witness that what you're saying to them is true. And when their own conscience testifies to the truth of what you're saying, it's it's game over. It's woe is me. What must I do to be saved? Maybe that's why I rarely get and that's where we want to get people. Maybe that's why I rarely get people objecting to the existence of God because I get to their conscience before we even get to that discussion. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I've talked to so many people who they might say they're an atheist or agnostic and agnostic and I'll say, "Okay, that's fine. I might talk, you know, talk about that for maybe a minute or two and then I'll say, "Okay, let's let me ask you a different question, you know. Um, would you consider yourself to be a good person?" And then you start talking to their their conscience, their heart. And by the end of that conversation where we've walked them through the law and they've seen their sin, they understand that their sin righteous, rightly deserves God's justice. And at the end of it, asking them, you know, where would you be headed if you died and God gave you justice? Where would you be headed? They say, I'd be headed for hell. I've had so many people and acknowledge then you ask, that they're going yeah. to hell after this And discussion. then you ask them, does that concern you? And they say, yes. We're... Three minutes earlier, they were denying God even exists. Mm-hmm. Three minutes later, they're saying, it does concern me that if I died, God would rightly punish me for my sins. And so you you didn't even, you bypass their intellect, their conscience, the image of God, who knows God exists, you know, intuitively, instinctively. You've communicated with that and bypassed the place of argumentation and prepared their heart for the gospel, the good news. Before we forget, let's let our listeners know where they can see some more of this evangelism uh, demonstrated. On YouTube, Living Mm. Waters channel, Ray Comfort, Living Waters on YouTube. Watch those videos from Ray Comfort over and over until it comes out of every pore in your body. Yeah. Yeah, just watch them and you will will become familiar with, with kind of the the main direction of a conversation, it's not a script by any means. Every conversation is completely different. But you have the backdrop of the law, and you know that that's, that's, that's what you're aiming for. You're aiming to work them through 
the law and then to bring them to the knowledge of of the gospel um, right and also if anybody wants training i believe hope chapel is about to start a way of the master evangelism oh, class good. very soon is hopechapel.org hermosa beach hermosa yeah hermosa hope chapel beach. hermosa yeah I forgot to throw out my email, but you could always email me, jason at apologetics.com, jason at apologetics.com, and we'd be happy to meet up with you and take you out with us and evangelize and just kind of learn how to do this. And then hopefully you could then go back to your church and you know show other people how to do it, right? That's kind of the idea here as well. You know, We want to create models and examples and that's something we wanted to talk about is you know we have Jesus our model right 80% of the people he evangelized strangers 20% he already knew them what is the what does the early church do follows the ex- same exact model right 80% of their evangelism is in strangers 20% is within you know prior relationships and then, you know, that model probably carried on for a generation or two or however long. Today, we don't have that model. We don't have pastors, elders, leaders in the church in large degree. We do not have a regular reoccurring example of watching them go out and evangelize and share the gospel with people. Instead of 80-20, today it's zero, zero. It's, yes, it's very, very few. And because we're not seeing it modeled, when we see people who do that on a regular basis and you invite others to come along with you, it's almost, they look at you like, wow, you're not a normal Christian. You're like a extra ordinary christian or something when in reality you're a freak yeah but in reality you're normal yes like if if we dropped the early church into our church today it would it would make all of us look completely lukewarm you know to a large extent and we'd probably think of the early church people as much as they evangelized we'd probably think they're kind of odd and a little overzealous right maybe extremely overzealous do you know what it says in Revelation 3.19? And so what we need is more examples, more leaders. What does it say? Repent and be zealous. Repent and be zealous. <laughs> Speaking to one of the churches? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that is kind of, we're coming up on the end of our show here, but we just, uh, we hope that you guys got some valuable information out of this. It looks like we might have a caller coming in, but I don't know if we're going to be able to get to your question Um this side of the show or not, but you could always email at jason at apologetics.com and we can follow up and talk with you a bit. Um, but uh, read through the Gospels. You know, watch how Jesus engaged with people. Um, watch how the the church in the book of Acts engaged with people. Learn how to use the law effectively. It is our most able auxiliary, right? Charles Spurgeon said... I do not believe that any man can preach the gospel who does not preach the law. Lower the law, and you dim the light by which man perceives his guilt. Um, let's see. We might be able to hop over to Elaine real quick. 
Hey, Elaine, do you have a quick question for us? We are just coming up on the end of our show. I just realized that, and I thought maybe it was, it was a little too late. I'll tell you the scripture is 1 Corinthians 15. Gotcha. Uh, yep. Chapter 15, verse 3, where it says, The gospel, Christ yeah. died for our sins according to the scripture. Yes. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture, and he was seen of Cephas, Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so much other people. Now I wonder when you when you testify when you um, give a person what is necessary to become a script to become a Christian. Yeah. You don't mention that he was dead, buried, and rose again. Is that not important? Oh no, we definitely you definitely preach preach that. Yeah, when you're sharing the good news. Okay. I didn't hear you say it. That's why I was wondering. Did was that included in what you were saying? Hundred percent, because I think that distinguishes him from any other any other God that is. That's Nobody true, man. That yeah. And, in in an evangelism situation, the gospel can come out in various different variations. Um, even when you see Jesus, for instance, talking to Nicodemus, he hadn't mentioned anything about death, burial, or resurrection because it hadn't happened yet. Um, in John six forty seven, he this has already happened. Understood, understood. And when you see it in the book of Acts, it, it's not always mentioned either. But we, when we do get around to it, we will always talking about talk about that Jesus died for our sins, rose on the third day. Yeah. yeah, we always always try to get to that. But okay. not yeah, having yeah. said that, does not mean the person's not saved. Yeah, but that is something you do not want to miss, Elaine. You're one hundred percent right. Right, we want to. Yeah. The death, burial, resurrection, ascension, s- seated at the right because hand of God. I learned that that is the gospel. That's what I learned after Christ. When Christ came and he died, that is the gospel. Yes, Because yes. it distinguishes him from any other gods. You know, that's yeah. the only one. Yeah, if Christ is not raised, Paul said, you know, our faith is in vain. We are to be most pitied of all people. Right. You know, we cannot, right. that's we why cannot leave the important. resurrection out. And I appreciate you, yeah, highlighting that. Well, thank you for listening. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. That's a perfect place to end the show. So thanks for calling, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the Apologetics.com radio show. Thank you, Tony, for being here. Much appreciated. We thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Elaine, for your call. And we will be here next Friday. At midnight, this is Jason Gallagher saying keep the faith.